Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and I don't really know what the title of my message is today. It's kind of, it's probably going to be called The Authority of the Believer. I'm going to endeavor to teach you today how it is that you have authority to cast out demons and do spiritual warfare. This is the first installment in our new spiritual warfare series. Uh, I'm teaching at my church, and so I thought at the same time that I would do this series again for y'all because I've had numerous requests to do that since, I haven't done one since the one in 2012, I guess. So, my teaching is going to be based on Luke 10:19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So we're going to talk about taking authority over the enemy and his destruction in your life. When we are done with this entire series, this is just the first episode, but when we're done with the whole series, you will understand your legal right to use that authority that the Lord gave you, what to do with it, and how. And I think you will enjoy the results. There is not one of us that has not suffered loss at Satan's hands. Jesus calls him a liar and the father of lies and a thief. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Satan has stolen from us, killed people and relationships in our lives, and done his utmost to destroy every good thing the entire time we've been alive. Satan starts especially early if you're called to something like preaching the Word of God, doing spiritual warfare, evangelizing, intercessory prayer, or any other thing that causes direct loss to the kingdom of darkness. Make no mistake, Satan hates every one of us, and he wants to take us out. But if you walk in any calling that causes him to lose souls on an ongoing basis, he will up his game against you. Rejoice if that happens, because it simply means you are being effective enough to make him sweat. And by the way, if you have one of those type of callings, Satan will start trying to kill you the second you are conceived. I asked the Lord one time, I said, how does he even know what we're called to do? How does he even know? And the Lord said, I assign bigger angels to protect my chosen ones. And I thought of all the babies that he tried to choke to death with their own umbilical cord that he tried to shove out of the womb before they were ready to be born. And all the ways that he tried to kill them after they were born. All the babies that he tried to talk the mothers into aborting. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents, which means Satan, y'all, and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We need to pray really hard for unborn children. According to the Barnes Commentary, power to tread on serpents means preservation from danger. It means if you go among bitter and malignant enemies, I will preserve you. When war comes to your country, remember that. Gill's exposition of the entire Bible 
compares the literal meaning of the behold verse with Mark 16, 18, which says, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Matthew Poole's commentary says the verse should be understood figuratively and compares it with Psalm 91, 13, which says, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under thy feet. If you don't know this, an adder is a poisonous snake that I believe is native to places like Israel that have a lot of desert. I think we should take the verse literally as it has been demonstrated in Acts 28, verse 3 through 5. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hands. Do you all know what a viper is? There are two types of snakes. I used to study snakes. There are the pit vipers, which is what attacked him, that have a pit, which means a nostril on each side of their face, and they have triangular-shaped heads. Those are the snakes that can kill you. They're venomous. Regular snakes, like grass snakes and stuff like that, have a more round nose. Not that you're going to get close to them to see this, but if you happen to notice, that's how you tell them apart. So the one that attacked Paul out of the fire was a viper. It was a pit viper. It was a very venomous snake that could kill him. And when the barbarian saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, which means he had a real good grip with his fangs, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he escaped the sea, yet vengeance allows not to live. And he, meaning Paul, shook the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Now, y'all, if that was a rattlesnake, that would have got real ugly real quick. When a rattlesnake bites you, you start to bleed to death on the inside. And just to give you an idea of how constant Satan's attacks on us are, I was working on this sermon one morning after I had to leave church early on a Sunday morning because of horrible abdominal pain due to something I've been fighting for over 20 years that I finally know the cause of. But I had to go to church that morning because the Lord had given me a word for the congregation. So I got up at 5 a.m. to work on this sermon because the Lord had told me, get that done. Prioritize that. I'm like, okay, okay, Lord. That's how much he wants to get this information to you, okay? And I'm trying to copy and paste scriptures into the document, and the internet, though working, refused to go to the Bible sites so I could do that. And I said, Satan, I am writing this message, even if you make it take longer, even if you give me a hard time all the way through it, I'm doing it. So just understand you are not stopping this series. Every time I write on or teach anyone about spiritual warfare, the attacks I have to fight off increase exponentially. So if you see more attacks coming at you or others around you during this series, it is just because Satan don't like what you're learning about how to defeat his future attacks on you. Okay. So when I cannot navigate to my Bible sites, which never happens, by the way, when I'm writing, I have to type each scripture in manually. It just takes longer. But praise Jesus, that helps me become even more familiar with his word. So hallelujah to the Lamb. Okay, so that the Behold verse is also compared to Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. The Lord showed me one day when I was thinking about this early one morning. Sometimes I wake up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning for no reason whatsoever. And I work. And it was one of those days, and the Lord showed me, all means all. So if we have all power over the works of the devil, that means, guess what? We have power over cancer. We have power over the power of premature death. We have power over the power of sickness and of pain. We have power over the power of poverty, because by the way, if you don't know this, poverty is a demon. 
It is also a curse. It is also a generational curse, and it can be a ruling spirit over your region. You have power over it as a believer. And you have power over demonic forces affecting you in the workplace. Basically, you have power over anything that is not God's will for you, okay? Because anything that's not God's will for you is something Satan brought, usually. With the exception of, like, if you treat your body real bad and you get something in your body because of that. First John 44, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Listen to this from a site called Connect Us. I like this. Satan has a great measure of power on earth in this age that was essentially handed to him by Adam at the fall in Genesis 3. The mightiest of demons, even Satan himself, does not have as much power and authority as the weakest of believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Can you say amen to that? Because you should be shouting hallelujah right now. So if we have power over all the power of the enemy, what all does that include? Cancer, sickness, death, addiction, demonic attacks, witchcraft attacks, and more. But I want to focus in this episode on two things. That when he says all, he means all, like he showed me, and how we access that power. You access that power through God's word, specifically. This is his power in anything, by finding the promises in his word that address our specific problem. And when I was writing this, the Lord showed me that I need to explain to you how you do that. Let's say you have a situation and you need God's word to you know, break the power of that situation or overcome it. You look in the Bible for something that is a similar situation. It does not need to be exact. If it's a sickness, any, any of the sickness stuff would work. Uh, if, let's say, let's say that you're dealing with the power of captivity, okay? Uh, that could be something like agoraphobia. You're afraid to leave your house. Or it could be addiction, Okay. So you're going to look for scriptures that have to do with, you're bound in a prison of agoraphobia or addiction, okay? So you need scriptures about being free. He came to set the captives free. That's one scripture about freedom. You would go and find scriptures in the Bible, do a search on the internet, just Google uh, King James Version or whatever version, or NIV or whatever version you read of the Bible, verses about God setting me free. And it will bring you up verses and you write them down on a piece of paper or a three by five card and you confess them out loud many times a day. The more times you confess them, the faster it will come. And you believe them. And after you hear them and hear them and hear them and hear them, if you will just realize that everything in the word of God is true, it will work. Okay? There's no magic to this. God's word is always true. It's always been true. It will always be true. You just have to find scriptures that will apply to your situation. One time when I lived in the townhouse, I found a scripture that didn't even pertain anything to my situation. I had bursitis in one hip and it hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. And I, my bedroom was upstairs and my bathroom was upstairs. So in the evening I had to climb this big flight of stairs to get back, you know, up to my room so I could take a bath and go to sleep. And I was like, how on earth am I, you know, with bursitis, you, you don't even want to walk on a flat floor much less climb stairs, because it makes it worse. So as I was going through that and trying to heal up from it, I looked for a verse 
to, because I read online that, you know, if you got it once, you would get it again. And I was like, uh-uh, no. And so I looked and looked and looked in the Bible, and I found it, I think it was in Nahum 1.9. And it says, this affliction shall not arise a second time. I said, there's my verse right there. And I started quoting it. And it, it tried to come back once after that, about a year later. I said, uh-uh, no, no, you're not, Satan, not today, no. This affliction shall not arise a second time. And guess what? Every symptom left and it has not been back. You know why? Because God's word defeated it. Because Satan can't bring it back if you will stand against it with the word of God. He can't bring it back. If you've had cancer once and you've been cured, this is a word for somebody. I feel it in my spirit. If you've had cancer once and you're, you know, the doctor said, oh, it, you know, it could come back. No, you tell it. No, you have authority over that if you're a believer. Okay. You have authority over that. This affliction shall not arise a second time. Don't give it permission to come back by agreeing with it. I'm going to teach you how to disagree with the devil. All right? Y'all hang with me here. I'm going to teach you some good stuff. And by the way, if you have trouble looking up scriptures for certain subjects, go buy you a, a promise book. You can get them at Bible bookstores. Get them on Amazon for $5 or less. You can get them in, um, probably get them in Walmart. I don't know. Okay, so. You would need to find you a promise or two or five or six, just scriptures that talk about, you know, God setting you free or getting free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And then you meditate on by thinking and thinking and thinking on those scriptures and you speak them and speak them and speak them. And guess what? It will break your bonds and God will set you free because you believed his word and you spoke his word. When you speak God's word, you decree it. When you speak anything out of your mouth, you decree it. So be careful about your words. Okay, it took me a long time to get that. You're always tested most strongly where your gift is. My gift is in my mouth. So that's where I'm tested. And my friend John Morgan used to tell me, you need to stop, stop talking. <laughs> stop talking. You're saying the wrong thing. Stop talking. He knew that. <laughs> The Word of God is alive. It is the only book on earth that is alive, okay? And if you will absorb enough of it for it to come alive in you, you will find that any time a situation arises in your life that needs to be, you know, come against or you need to deal with, the Word will rise up in you and answer that situation for you. It will just come out your mouth. But there is one thing about the word that you need to realize. You need to remember this. You can memorize a scripture today and a month today, you will not remember it unless you review it over and over and keep it current in your memory because the devil comes and steals the word out of our hearts. And because we live in a world that is filled with so much stimuli all around us, the TV, the radio, the internet, the people, the noise in the street, I mean, the family members are everything. There's noise, noise, noise all around you and so many things competing for your attention that you have to stand against it. Mark 4, verses 14 and 15, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately. He don't wait, he comes immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. This method of binding and standing on God's promises, along with tithing and living a life of obedience, is how I believed my way out of the land of not enough. I used to live in terrible poverty, y'all. I mean, really bad poverty. And anybody can believe their way out if they will do the same things. There are many people that are, are famous preachers today who did the same thing, and they even went on to attain wealth. I didn't ask for wealth. I just wanted to have enough and, and have a little extra in case somebody was in need so I could help, you know, or so I could bless somebody once in a while. 
but you can believe your way out of the land of not enough if you will apply God's principles. And that's not prosperity teaching. That is spiritual law. There is a difference. God does not get any glory by you not having enough. Can I just tell you that? I started by finding God's promises about him supplying my needs, and I memorized them, and I spoke them often, and I believed them. And I listened to uh, Charles Capps. He's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he has some very good teachings about using your voice, using your words uh, to help you instead of to work against you. But I believed that if God said it in his word, he meant it and that it was true. So when the devil would say, you can't do this, God may have done it for brother or sister so-and-so, he's not going to do it for you. What are you going to do when you can't pay the rent? You'll be homeless. Where will you sleep? You're going to lose all your stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And when I would realize that it was Satan that was talking to me, I would quote God's word to him and tell him to take a hike. I would say, Satan, my Bible says that he will supply all my needs. Get lost. It works, and it works every time because there is life in the Word of God, every kind of life. Life to your body, life to your spirit, life to your finances, life to your family. Life of every kind. So I did a quick little study in the Greek on Luke ten nineteen, and what I discovered was the phrase, Behold, I give you power, in the Greek means so that now you possess it. If I give you something, you've got it, right? If I walk up and I hand you a peanut butter sandwich, you've got a peanut butter sandwich, right? Okay. So in the Greek, this actually means, behold, I give you power, and that's dunamis power. Means not only superhuman power, but authority, and you've got that power right now. He gave it to you, which means you already have it. So that's good news, right? Okay. And I give you power. The first power means the delegated authority and strength, okay? So we have, behold, Jesus has given us superhuman delegated authority and strength over all the power of the enemy, which means the enemy's miraculous power, exousia, strength and violent strength to commit an injustice, do harm or do wrong. Behold, I give you power. I delegate my power to you so that you now have it to take power over all the enemy's power to commit injustice, to do you harm or do you wrong, okay? Doesn't that just make Luke 10, 19 one of your favorite verses now? It does mine. Okay. So think about that because this is very serious. This is a power we have that we need to be using. So what kind of power do we have? We have the power of God's word on our side for one thing, if we will use it. And that's enough all by itself. There is no greater power than his word and Satan has nothing to fight the power of the word of God with as long as you keep him out of your head and you are not in sin. But if you let him in your head, you'll be in trouble within hours. By the way, I apologize for any fan noise that is on this recording. I'm going to try to take it out. It's really hot where I'm at, y'all. I got about four fans going. Okay. We have the power of God's word if we guard our minds. The mind is always the battlefield where the battle is either won or it's lost, okay? We have the power of consistency on our side. That's repeating something and doing it the same. Consistency is the power of victory in every area of your life, okay? Let me explain. You will either consistently fail or you will consistently succeed depending on what you are consistently doing. There is a saying that if you want to see what your life will be like in the future, look at your daily habits. If you eat 10 candy bars a day, what is your future going to be like? 
It's probably going to be full of visits to the doctor to get diabetes medication, and we might also see you starring on My 600-Pound Life. Okay. Whatever you are consistent about doing is what's going to make you or break you. It's not what you do once in a while that defeats you. If I eat a candy bar once a month, that's not going to hurt me. But if I eat a candy bar once an hour, I've got a serious problem heading my way. If you are trying to change your eating habits, and I talked a lot about uh, eating habits all because I discovered in 2009 I had a very serious life-threatening eating disorder, okay, and I had no idea. So what I eat and don't eat has been a battle for me for a real long time. But I'm on something now that's helping me, I think. So it's said that if you eat healthy 80% of the time, you can kind of slide the other 20% if you don't get too out of hand. But it's also said that 80% of how you look is what goes into your mouth. Isn't that interesting? So it's not the candy bar you eat once a month or once every six months that gets you. It's those that you eat every afternoon. It's the Coke you drink every day. It's the ice cream you eat every night. It's the consistency, the habit. The power is in what you do consistently. And that's Satan's power or God's power, either one, because Satan will try to set you up in a habit. Can I just tell you that? He will try to set up bad habits in your life. What you keep doing over and over and over every day will either bring you victory or defeat, depending on what it is you keep doing. If you do 10 sit-ups once a month, you won't see results. If you do 10 sit-ups 10 times a day, you will start to see a difference. If you can do sit-ups. So the word that's going to help you is the word you listen to every day. If you listen to sermons every day when you're driving to work, that word's going to get down in your heart at a time when you're probably calm and quiet unless you're driving in Dallas traffic. If you listen to the word for 20 minutes on Sunday in church, you may not remember very much of that. And the reason is because you only hear it one time. Okay? It's not because your preacher is not a good preacher. Satan will steal that 20 minutes of word out of your heart before you can get to lunch on Sunday. We have to be reminded over and over a lot, or we're not going to get God's word down. Because it's just not going to get down in our hearts if we don't hear it over and over. It's not going to get in there by osmosis, okay? The word of God says, study and show yourself approved. We have to study and get it down in our spirits. We have to listen to it often. We have to pay attention when we're hearing it, okay? We have the power and privilege of prayer on our side, too, if we will use it. And this is in every, every battle. We have the power of wisdom on our side if we will seek it. We have the power of understanding on our side if we will work for it. So how much of your power are you letting the devil steal right now? Because for sure, we are not using all this, behold, I give you power that God has given us, or we would all be living a victorious life. Am I right? You would not have any problems at all right now. Am I right? Okay. So what in your life has the devil been destroying? You stand by convinced you're helpless. Are you helpless? You better not say yes after everything I just taught you. If you said yes, you better repent because that's the devil lying to you. We are instructed to cast down those imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are supposed to bring wrong thoughts like thinking we're helpless because the devil's attacking us into captivity, not let them take us into captivity, okay? Don't feel bad if you did that. We're all guilty at some point of doing this. Otherwise, we would be walking in victory every single day, all day long. 
but our battles are first fought in our minds before they're fought anyplace else. Why is your mind the battlefield? Because the number one tool the devil always tries to use is deception. It's what he used on Eve. Deception must be used on the mind. And what that means is he shows up and whispers lies to you. He tries to sell you a lie. Why does he try to sell you a lie? Anybody know? Let me give you a recent example. There was a time two or three months ago when I missed four straight Sundays of church because of some kind of sickness I could never identify. Well, during that sickness, I began passing blood. And the devil ran up on me and said, you have cancer. That's one of the signs. You're going to die. And I said, Satan, you're a liar and the father of lies. What I have is work to do. I put whatever this sickness is on you. Take a hike back to hell and stay there in Jesus' name. And the bleeding stopped and it never returned. End of conversation. That's how you handle him, y'all. If he could have gotten me in agreement with the lie, he would have had the legal right to put cancer on me and even kill me with it, okay? Your agreement with Satan on anything is very powerful. He will try to get you to think people are talking about you, they don't like you, somebody's backstabbing you, all kinds of stuff. Do not get into agreement with him. It's not that these things don't happen. They do. But we don't have to agree with the devil who is not on our side when there is not even any real evidence of what he's saying to us. If it is true, let God show it is true. And like with the blood, let God's word be true and every man a liar and every devil too. I'm going to teach more on this as we go through the lessons. But when Satan tried to put a fatal disease on me, just for good measure, I also started confessing healing scriptures over myself in addition to telling him to take a hike. Our mind is the battlefield. When Satan approached Eve in the garden, it was her mind he was after. If he'd gone after her body, Adam would have punched his lights out. It would have looked like a barroom brawl in Eden, but he went after her mind. He went after what she thought about God's motives, and he sold her a lie. Once he gets your mind, he can easily get your behavior to follow. Ask anybody that's ever fallen into adultery, and they will tell you they did not just wake up one day and decide, oh, I think I'll go out and commit adultery. They thought about it first. They thought about it for a while, and they thought about that other person, and they thought about, oh, it would be so fun to be with them, or I'd really like to be with them. I wish I lived with them instead of with my spouse and all that. Yeah, it works up to that. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go out and commit adultery today. That's not the way that works. In order to tempt you, Satan has to get you to entertain a thought of temptation. To entertain means to imagine or to kind of fantasize what it would be like, just imagining what that sin would be like. Once the devil gets your mind, he can get your behavior. Because once he gets your mind and you start entertaining those thoughts, he has the legal right to put demons on you, to assign those demons to start tempting you more and more and to torment you with thoughts of, oh, I want to do that sin, I want to do this sin, or whatever. So he changed Eve's mind. She was eating for nutrition. He changed her mind to eat to be like God. Yay, are you sure God really said that? Are you sure that's what he said? I think he's hiding something from you. He don't want you to be like him. He painted a lying picture in Eve's mind of God as a petty, insecure little God, not the great almighty Yahweh, Jehovah God he really is. He sold her a lie. You know, the 70 disciples returned again to the Lord in Luke chapter 10 and said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I saw the devil get the boot, kids. That's what Jesus did. He said, I saw him get the boot and I saw him have his power taken away. 
And he then said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And you know, I was pretty excited about that because that means I have power over June bugs and spiders. And that is serious in my life. Very serious. I know June bugs don't have any power to hurt me. I know that, but they scare me so bad I will hurt myself. They have scratchy legs and they make that horrible buzzing sound that makes me shake in my boots. If one gets tangled in my hair, I will flail my arms and scream like a little girl and I will hurt myself and anybody that's standing near enough to me to get hit. So I'll tell my June bug story here again. Those of you who've listened to me a long time have heard it, but I'll tell it again for all the people who have not heard it, because I know the people that go to church with me probably have not heard it, and they'll get a kick out of this. There was a time in the early 80s when I was married to my children's father. We lived out in the country about four miles from Princeton, where I lived at the townhouse. And out there, you burned your trash, because there was no trash pickup. So you burned your trash in a barrel at the back of your yard. So one evening, it was summertime, and dinner was over, and I cleaned the kitchen, and I carried my trash out there, and I set it on fire, and I was walking back up the hill to the house, and a June bug flew down my shirt. I began screaming my brains out and flailing my arms like a mad woman. My husband came running out of the house, terrified. He told me later he thought I was on fire instead of the trash because of how badly I was screaming. Y'all, I was, that's how scared I am of June bugs. He goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm hysterical and I'm screaming incoherently because I'm so scared of June bugs and I can feel it scratching around and it's buzzing. It's buzzing and it's in my clothes, buzzing, making that horrible noise. It has those awful scratchy legs. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to take my clothes off right here in the backyard. And I hope none of the neighbors are looking because, you know, it's just going to go down that way because the bugs got to go, right? So I'm screaming hysterically and he's still saying, what's wrong? Because I can't speak coherently. And I finally managed to yell, a June bug flew down my shirt. Help me. Do something. And I mean, I am, I am doing the OMG, there's a, bo- there's a bug in my shirt, you know, dance. Trying to shake it loose. And I catch a glimpse of him because I'm like, why is he not helping me? He's supposed to help me. Why is he not helping me? I'm like, the June bug is going to kill me and my husband is supposed to be saving me from it. And there's my big, strong, able-bodied husband who is fearless of any bugs doubled over with tears streaming down both sides of his face, laughing. And I mean, he is, he is laughing. And I screamed at him, you're supposed to be helping me do something because I'm so scared. And I'm not kidding. I was about to reach up and start. I, I was wearing these little short overalls with a tank top and I was fixing to undo those overalls and drop them right where I stood because that bug had to go. Okay. It just had to go. I still remember this in detail 40 years later because That was the only time a June bug ever violated me in that particular way. By this time, I glance over and my big, strong husband is choking and cannot get air in. You can hear air expelling because he's laughing so hard, but he could not even breathe because he was laughing so hard. So I must have looked pretty comical. And I'm getting ready to just, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to drop the overalls because nothing else is going to work. And I'm screaming and I'm glaring at him at the same time. I'm stomping my foot because he's not, he's not saving me. And everybody knows it is the man's job to kill the bugs in a marriage. Everybody knows that. It's in the contract. Everybody knows. You don't even have to put that in your vows. It's in there, okay? It's in there. I'm telling you. So I'm doing the OMG, there's a bug in my shirt dance. And I catch another glimpse of my husband. I mean, he's literally, he's choking over there. And I'm like, that's it. The June bug's going to kill us both. He's going to kill us both. 
I'm going to die because I'm hysterical. He's going to die because he can't get air in anymore. He's going, you know, like we, he, he was laughing so hard. Air was expelling and no air was going in. I'm like, he's going to pass out any minute. He's going to, we're both going to die. Finally, the bug flew out of my shirt. Thank God. And I knew I would live another day. My husband was still doubled over laughing. And I said, you are no help. And I stomped off into the house. I mean, he did not help me at all. He should have helped me. He violated the marriage contract right there, right there. He did. I didn't let him forget that either. I just want y'all to know that. So I'm really excited that I have power over June bugs and spiders. Did I ever tell y'all that one day I'm standing out in the yard and, this, and, and the dogs are going to the bathroom doing their business and a huge spider ran up my leg? I screamed like a little girl before I killed it. But I did, you know, I didn't have time to take authority over it, but I did kill it. I don't do well with things like that. If I had a weak heart, I would be dead already. I did have an incident lately when I left my porch light on all night. Don't ever do that during June bug season. Never, ever do that. I stepped out on my porch in the morning with my dogs, and there were about 60 June bugs on my porch, and I screamed because not all of them were dead. If y'all have June bugs, I'll pray for you. So Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, the authority of the believer is unveiled most fully in the book of Ephesians. That's the book that has the most about our authority. We have authority over demonic spirits through the name of Jesus, through the shed blood of Jesus. Anytime you are doing spiritual warfare, keep it foremost in your mind that it is not any of your power because the devil will try to get you into pride. He tries this with everybody. It is only through the power of the blood of Jesus. If that power were ever taken away, we could do nothing against them, okay? Jesus defeated Satan over 2,000 years ago, but, you know, a lot of Christians don't know they have authority over demonic entities. A lot of people don't even believe that demonic entities exist. And I feel bad for them because if they ever have a really bad attack, they're not going to have any idea what to do about it. And some people think that demons only exist, you know, in the movies. But you know what, y'all? There are demons outside of Hollywood, too, so I'm just saying. Some believers think that spiritual authority over the devil just belongs to a few chosen people that God has given special power. But let me tell you, spiritual authority belongs to every Bible-believing child of God. He said, behold, I give you power. I've given it to you, so you already have it. You already have it. It's already yours. You have it right now. We received our spiritual authority the moment we confessed our belief in Jesus as the Son of God that God the Father raised from the dead. The devil wants to continue to defeat us in any way that he can. He will do anything to keep God's children from learning the truth about our authority because he knows that when we exercise our authority that God gave us, he's in big trouble. I cannot begin to tell you how many attacks I came under when I started teaching the Spiritual Warfare series in 2012 on Blog Talk Radio. I came under attack so bad, but I knew I would because I'd been exercising my spiritual authority for a while and doing warfare, so the devil was already attacking me. So I knew it was just going to ramp up, you know. By the way, in spiritual warfare, you never know everything. You are constantly learning because each situation is unique. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That is such a beautiful promise. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Okay, so... 
We have spiritual authority already. He gave it to us, so we have it. But we must exercise that authority in order for it to do us any good. You know, knowing that we have power and not using it will not accomplish anything, okay? Um, let me compare it to something so it'll make sense. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be saved and go to heaven, right? Okay. Is everybody saved and going to heaven? No. Why not? Because they have not appropriated what he did. It is the same with spiritual warfare. He became like the curses. Everybody said, oh, well, Jesus became a curse, so I don't have any curses on me. Wrong. Jesus became a curse for you so you could get freedom from the curses. But you must appropriate what he did. Just like you had to appropriate what he did on the cross to receive salvation. It is the same with curse breaking. It is the same with spiritual warfare and getting free of demonic influences. Okay. Knowing that we have power and not using it will not accomplish anything. That would be like having a loaded gun and you need to shoot something, but instead you just stand there and let the enemy run all over you. Okay. We're going to learn how to shoot the gun. I'm going to teach you how to shoot the gun. We need to learn to exercise our God-given authority that Jesus has given us to stop the enemy from running all over our lives, attacking our family, and tearing up all our stuff. Okay, that's all I have for y'all this week, but I'm, th there's going to be a second part to this authority teaching, and I'll probably go ahead and record it and upload it at the same time as I want y'all to get everything. I want y'all to get this deep in your spirits so when we start teaching you about casting out demons, you'll know you have the power to do that. I'm hoping that after I teach this series that y'all will write and tell me the things that you got free of. That would be tremendously encouraging to me. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Are there areas of sin in your life you just can't seem to overcome no matter how hard you try? Many people live their whole lives under curses. Without understanding, they can be free. Learn what the scriptures say about curses and why they are still relevant today. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Learn how to defeat every curse through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you have the knowledge, you can break curses off your life and start experiencing breakthroughs like never before. In the book Loosed from Chains of Darkness, you will learn the basics of four different types of curses. Loosed from Chains of Darkness is the most comprehensive curse-breaking book on the market today. Get your copy of Loosed from Chains of Darkness by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, and audiobook versions. Do you know someone suffering from domestic violence or another form of abuse like verbal abuse? 
Did you know abuse has deep spiritual roots that cause abuse to be attracted to a person throughout their lifetime? Now, the Escaping Abuse Study Guide helps you discover and remove those spiritual roots so you won't be an abuse magnet. Get the Escaping Abuse Study Guide or get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. Escaping Abuse Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available now on Amazon.com. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas costs you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook, The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?